When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. I'm Tim Priester, and it is Clemson Week, Thursday of Clemson Week. Uh, Hurricane Joaquin is uh, threatening to to make things very interesting down in South Carolina and uh, on our flight down to that area. But, man, I've really been looking forward to this game, a, a tremendous game to analyze, so many different angles, some outstanding one-on-one matchups, some outstanding... Um, you know, positional matchups. Um, it looks like another close-scoring, low-scoring game like the previous Clemson games uh, have been. So, you know, just really looking forward to a, a great matchup of number six Notre Dame and, and number twelve Clemson. Yeah, I mean the we- the weather. As much as we talk about the weather, and people ask what whose advantage is it when the weather's bad, like. The weather could be a real issue. Uh, you know, the, this hurricane seems to be legitimate, even though they're not quite sure if it's going to hit uh, hit ground or not. It was interesting. I tweeted out a story about the hurricane this morning, and somebody replied to, I think it must be a subscriber, because he had a split screen. He works at the Weather Channel, and he had the, the Hurricane Joaquin graphic on one screen. On the other screen was my story about Isaac Rochelle and how he almost went to Clemson. Uh, <laughs> oh, the background? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was quite funny. So... Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be part of the game. And, I mean, we were talking about before the show, you know, who does it affect more? I think it might affect the fans the most because <laughs> who's going to be loud in the middle of right. a hurricane? Right. Um, you know, but I, Notre Dame this week, Tyler Luatua, will he play, won't he play? I had a source tell me just this morning that he had not been cleared uh, following a concussion. How significant is that? I don't really know, but it, it takes a piece away from Notre Dame's offense. Um I want to see how Justin Yoon is. He's missed four kicks so far this year. Two of them been extra points. To me, that's a real issue. Not necessarily going on the road in the environment, but just the kicker. Um, I think Notre Dame has a, a question about its kicker right now that it was not expecting to have at all. The kicker in bad conditions. Yeah. And they're not, not trusting the holder with that. I mean, I don't know. The double yeah, tap is that big of a deal. And but the it, operation has yeah. been... I, Kaiser kind of bobbled the missed extra point last, last uh, week, but... I mean, compared to the operation last year, it's been flawless. And so, I mean, I think that's on Justin Yoon. I I think the weather, yeah, I think the weather helps Notre Dame here. I normally just, people want to know who it helps, and I don't think it, most instances, helps one or the other. But I I do think it helps Notre Dame here, the the running team. Um, Deshaun Watson, I think, you know, here's it. Can you be sporadic when you're completing 74.4% of your <laughs> passes. A, you know, kind of an odd line of questioning uh, to some of Notre Dame's players this week about Deshaun Watson and his, quote, inconsistency. Yeah, I was wondering what well, his problem happened he's to been, be. He's been picked three times. He was picked in the first drive of Appalachian State and Louisville. And I just, you know, I mean, I, if you can be an inconsistent 74.4%, yeah. he had the, I think he kind of has been. He had the highest passer rater rating of any quarterback you, attempting 125 passes or more if last you've, year. Yes. If you've seen him play this yeah, year, right. you would you would see some some dirt balls similar to Deshaun Kaiser, so I guess it would impact him as well. But, uh, you know, the, to, 
the X factor here is is Watson and for me the you know the Clemson offensive line against Notre Dame's defensive front. And Clemson has some serious issues up front. Isaiah Battle went in the supplemental draft in May. They lost their center Ryan Norton to injury, I think, two weeks ago, and they're both their right tackles are banged up. So there's a lack of cohesion there, and Notre Dame really needs to take advantage of what they've done defensively. Which, you know, defensively, with the exception of a, a with a couple of drives and a couple of trick plays, they've been pretty good up to this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in Clemson's offense in a lot of different ways. I mean, one, Deshaun Watson, I'm excited to see him play live for a second time. I saw him at a combine, uh, in, I think you might have been there yeah. too, it was in Chicago. Yeah. I wasn't really blown away by I him. I wasn't either. Um, so I've been surprised to see how quickly his career has taken off. I've also seen Ray Ray McLeod in person. He has blown me away by how quick and athletic he is. How does that match up against Notre Dame's sub-packages? Do they get him out of the backfield against Joe Schmidt or against Greer Martini? Um, that's not a player that Notre Dame's going to be able to stay with if that's the matchup. Yeah. Uh, and I think it, if Clemson gets creative in terms of how they use Artavius Scott and Ray Ray McLeod, that is a big advantage for Clemson. Yeah, it's a concern for me too because I think this is the first time where we'd say Notre Dame has a little bit of a lack of speed in their sub-package. You could have had... Sean Crawford and Drew Tranquil, who are just ideal. You know, Crawford's a little bit theoretical, but Tranquil just ideal in that dime linebacker attacking role. Absolutely. And he's a phenomenal athlete, and I think those two would have matched up exceptionally well with anybody. And now you're, you're down those two guys, and you've had to make adjustments, and those adjustments are technically Devin Butler and Greer Martini. As we mentioned before we started this, Martini looked really good against UMass last week, but it, it's a different situation in space against Watson. I think he'll do well in that role. Maybe when he's not facing elite athletes, but maybe he could surprise us too because knowing what you're doing is pretty important in that situation. But I go back to Tim's point about whether giving Notre Dame an advantage. If it's rainy and windy, I totally agree with you because Notre Dame will be able to run the ball if it's rainy and windy. And I don't know if Clemson can run the ball on Notre Dame if they don't have the threat of Watson beating them through the air. Yeah, Clemson, very stout up front. There, there's no doubt that, uh, uh, you know, led by Shaq Lawson, who's. You know, Shaq Lawson, that D-line, they're, they're good run stoppers. I don't know that they're necessarily pass rushers. So, you know, how does that how does that matchup work out? Artavis Scott, their, their wide receiver, he's their main guy. 76 receptions, over 1,000 yards, and eight touchdowns as a freshman last year. But Mike Williams is out. Yeah, that's And he, he was truly their, their big play guy. So, you know, Clemson has some questions offensively with that offensive line, and I'll, I'll still stick by the the notion that despite the, the, the numbers and the percentages, that Deshaun Watson is a a question mark to me in the passing game. He's had success because he's a brilliant athlete. And I agree with you that in Chicago when we saw him, you know, he didn't he didn't blow us away. Yeah. But he's a he's a he's a good athlete. He's a guy that gets on the edge and becomes a run pass threat. I wonder if this is a game where Clemson losing its offensive coordinator, Chad Morris, starts to show up more. Because uh, watching the Louisville game where they played, and there wasn't really a whole lot that was impressing me about Clemson's athleticism and how they're using their personnel. I mean, for those of people who don't know Chad Morris, he's kind of one of the offensive guru type, got the head coaching job at SMU, immediately breathed life back into that program. Um, the stuff he was doing at Clemson was pyrotechnic. And you know the success that he had with Sean Watson as a freshman quarterback last year is really impressive. I wonder if they've they they have lost a step or two offensively in what they want to do because they don't have that innovator calling the plays like they did last year. I think I, I want to see Watson play because when you look back at his his season last year, it kept getting interrupted for injury, but he was just 
He was dominant against two bad, de- three bad defenses, really. Struggled a little bit against when, when there was a decent defense involved. But really, to be fair to him, you know, Florida State didn't have a great defense last year, but that was a tough situation. And he came into that game, and he's the reason that game was in overtime. He was did not shrink from the moment at all. So it's going to be interesting to see how this is the best defense he has faced. Maybe not. I mean, maybe Florida State last year with all those athletes considering the well, first def- start. Definitely Florida State. Yeah, yeah. But then this would be the next best one because yeah. North Carolina, North Carolina State, South Carolina were terrible defenses last year. And in fairness to him, he absolutely destroyed them. So I don't, don't know what you can do more right. than kill a bad defense. Well, but. and I and I still wonder. You know, I mean, he he suffered the ACL injury late in the season last year. So I wonder where he is in terms of percentage of health. I, Pete, I think you make a great point about. Chad Morris, and similar to, is it Tom Herman? Yes. Tom Herman at uh, at Houston, who left Ohio State, and we see Ohio State's offense struggling a little bit. So, you know, guys like that are, I mean, go under the radar for the general public. The fans mm-hmm. of, of Clemson and Ohio State know, know it, but I think in general we're not as aware of that. And I, I think that's a good point that I'm not sure that Clemson is where they were offensively last year. Weather aside, I, I'm, can't wait to see this game day environment. Um, you know, night game there. They're forty-one and six under Dabo. They're twenty-eight and two over the last thirty and one eleven straight. He's one and two at home against top fifteen teams, and that included just getting destroyed by Florida State a couple of years ago. And that, I mean, in all fairness to everyone, that Florida State team dismantled right. everybody. Different than last year's. Florida yeah, State but I think this is going to kind of be one of those. Like Oklahoma, like Florida State, like Michigan, uh, you know that had more of a rivalry feel to it. This is more of like, hey, Notre Dame's coming to town. It's a big deal just because Notre Dame's coming. Um, I'm really curious to see what it's like. It's been fun talking to the players this week about whether it be Michigan or Michigan State or Florida State or Oklahoma, sort of their memories of playing on the road in loud environments. And, I mean, Tim, you made a great point. Like, under Brian Kelly in these spots – Norim has actually played really, really well. Yeah, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean they win, but all five of the games I kind of analyzed as the roughest road environments. All five were ranked. There was number two Florida State involved in there. There was number I think it was eight Oklahoma that they beat, and all were ranked. And Notre Dame really, I, I called them uh, pre-snap statistics, which are things that get your offense off track and behind the chains, like delay of games, false starts, and of course the fans' favorite having to call timeout late in the play clock. There really weren't a ton of them. I mean, there was over the five games. It was at Michigan at. Oklahoma at Michigan State in 2012. They didn't prove to be a good team, but that's a rough environment. Um, at Michigan again in 2013, and of course Florida State, there was only one delay a game penalty in there. There was nine false starts, which sounds like a lot, but it's not. It's five games, nine false starts. I mean, Notre Dame averages about 1.5 false starts. You, you picked up an extra false start, basically. And, and they really weren't pressured into calling too many timeouts to save themselves. So pre-snap, they're handling it fine. The pre-snap doesn't mean you win the game because your quarterback's calm, but you're not beating yourself, and that's what one of the things the crowd can make you do is beat yourself, and, and Notre Dame hasn't been doing right. that. This is a relatively young Clemson football team. They only have one senior starter on defense, and, you know, I, I mean, in accordance with what you're saying about Kelly taking his teams on the road, this is a veteran, veteran Notre Dame football team, and Kelly said it the other day that, you know, all of these guys, most of these guys were in, played in that Florida yeah. State game. 29 so, guys have similar roles from the Florida State game. So that's huge. Year. But the one guy, or one of the guys that didn't, of course, was Deshaun Kaiser. And, and, and he's a, he's an X-factor as well, I guess the quarterback is, in every instance. And we were talking about this on the message board last night, that, you know, early in the game especially, don't make that critical mistake. When in doubt, take the sack. Don't, 
you know, don't throw it up for grabs. Don't give Mackenzie Alexander, who incidentally does not have an interception yet in his career because nobody will throw in his direction. Um, you know, don't give them a short field. Notre Dame's defense has not really been very good in sudden change situations under Brian Van Gorder. So I'm not saying play it conservatively, but keep in mind, Deshaun Kaiser, that you have a real weapon at punter. And especially within the first, you know, 20, 20, 25 minutes of the game, it's okay if you take a sack and let your, you know, cannon for a punter change the flip the field for you. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Newsom has been probably one of the more consistent uh, members of Notre Dame's team across the board, yeah. not just on special teams. So you would think you'd be able to rely on that on Saturday night, and you think you're probably going to have to be punting quite a bit because look, Clemson's defense is legitimate. It's by far the best. This is by far the best team both teams have played. And I mean, I wrote about this in my column on Sunday after UMass. We know both those teams are really good. We just don't know if either of them are potentially great. Uh, and I'm not saying that Saturday night will definitely reveal one to be great and the other one to not, but you're going to have a, one team is going to be eliminated from that conversation. Yeah, on the topic of Clemson's defense, a quick um, a look actually, ESPN Insider had these stats. Um, in their last nine against power conference teams, which for a team like Notre Dame only goes back to about last November, but for Clemson, that's this year and all of last year because they do play a lot of non power conference teams. Uh, 58 of their 127 drives against them, so that's 45%, three and out. 45% or three and out, which is pretty good against all power conference teams. And none of those nine teams ever scored more than two touchdowns against them. Now, as we said, they lost nine guys from the defense, but a lot yeah. of these guys played on the defense last year. So it's going to be a, it's, it's going to be a test, obviously. They, they don't have the exact same D. They're number one in negative plays over that span, negative mm-hmm. plays forced by the defense. So whatever that is, tackles for loss, sacks. But there's also one interesting thing, and this, this dates back a lot more than the last nine games. They're one and seven against ranked teams in the last eight games. Wow! So that's not kind of offsets a lot of the things you say there, but I'm sure, and some of those are on the road in yeah, different it, situations. It's interesting what you say about you know the negative yards plays. They only have seven sacks in three games, and obviously they haven't played great competition. And speaking of competition, you know, I mean, how many how many programs open with Texas, Virginia, Georgia Tech? It was ambitious on Nordame's part, but the fact of the matter is that Nordame's offensive numbers, which are 12th in rushing, 5th in total offense, 21st in scoring. They've done it against defenses that are giving up a lot of points. UMass is 123rd, Texas 105th, and Virginia 111th. Now, Notre Dame contributed sure. to those numbers, but these uh, these uh, the other teams that that uh, UMass and Texas and Virginia Tech and, and Georgia Tech have played, Georgia Tech's 43rd uh, in scoring defense. The, the other teams they've played have had success just like Notre Dame as well. So with getting back to your point, Pete, undoubtedly the stiffest test that Norton's faced up to this point. Yeah, no question. All right, prediction. O'Malley, why don't you uh, lead us off on this? So successful a couple weeks ago in this, in the big game situation. (laughs) And there are people who are listening who remind you if you're wrong. That's right, and I I think they only remind you one way if you're wrong, actually. But actually, I think the masses will enjoy this prediction more than my Georgia Tech prediction. I do think Norton's going to win the game. I think they're the better team. My my greatest concern is that... uh, and I have faith in Deshaun Kaiser, but it's it's limited. It's medium, I would say. I, I don't think he's going to give it away. I like how Brian Kelly and, as Pete has mentioned before, redshirt freshman and true freshman quarterbacks kind of operate together. I think he manages the game well when he has those guys at controls. Uh, and as currently constructed, I like the defense still. Until they lose one of those core guys, I still like this defense, and I'm going to pick them uh, in the 24-20 range. I think the weather will affect it a little bit. Um I can't give Notre Dame more than one field goal. 
this could be three touchdowns and three two-point conversions for all I care, but I, I can't give Notre Dame much in the kicking game. You know, I missed your field goal in predictions, but not today. 24-20, yeah. Notre Dame in a uh, in a game that's always close. I, I mean, I completely agree with you that Notre Dame is the better team going into this game, and that I think they will own both lines of scrimmage. I said that about multiple games against Michigan under Brian Kelly, and Notre Dame lost the game. Yeah. Uh, and that's... That is what is stuck in my head about this game. I think Notre Dame is better. I think they're particularly better on the offensive line and defensive line than Clemson, but I think they're going to lose the game. Uh, even though Brian Kelly is, I think, 17-1 and now in that redshirt freshman, freshman quarterback, I think it's going to be 17-2 and on Sunday morning. Uh, so I'm going Clemson 28, Notre Dame 20. I think Notre Dame's kicking game is going to show itself to be a real problem on Saturday night. And I'm not talking about Tyler Newsom. I'm talking about Justin Yoon. I think they've got some real issues there that are going to show. Um, I think that Sheldon Day and Isaac Rochelle have to be great for Notre Dame to win. Because if they're not, that's where the Ray Ray Armstrong, Artavia Scott sort of intermediate routes, drag routes, crossing, all that stuff is going to really test Notre Dame's defense in a way that has not been tested, and they have struggled uh, in, in those kind of situations. So I'm going Clemson 28, Notre Dame 20, and you're, people will say an eight-point loss. I still think Notre Dame is the better team, um, but there are some matchups in this game that bother me. And, um, again, it's like those Michigan performances from early in the Brian Kelly area really stick with me where they won the line of scrimmage but couldn't figure out a way to win the game. What are your thoughts on Kaiser? For the game, I think he's going to throw at least one pick. I agree with that. Um, yeah. Maybe two. I don't, but I do not think he's going to wilt under the pressure or the noise of Clemson. I, I think he will be play a serviceable game that Notre Dame could win from right. if they play great on defense. I just don't think they're going to play great on defense. I think there's going to be an adjustment period for Kaiser in, in dealing with that. There will be with all the young players yeah. that are playing in this game, and I and I I face a similar dilemma that that you guys are looking at in that. I believe Notre Dame's a better football team, and I think the greatest disparity is Notre Dame's defensive line against Clemson's offensive line. I think Clemson's offensive line is going to struggle. And look, Sean Watson, like every quarterback, if you got somebody in his face, he's not going to be nearly as good. And I think Notre Dame has a good chance um, of doing that. I, I think that um, the rain is a factor in Notre Dame's favor. Um, and I, as I sit here right now, I can't tell you yet who I'm going to pick because that's how I'm wired, and it takes me forever to <laughs> finally make a decision. But as as, uh, as as anyone that has ever followed my picks, you should probably be hoping that I pick uh, Clemson because uh, I can analyze a hell of a game. But boy, when it comes to picking the score, actually, Tim, the 24-20 score, if I pick Notre Dame, it's probably going to be 24-20. I know you picked it. But that's what I locked into. I think it's lower scoring. So if you're playing over unders, I like the uh, under. It's a low line at 49. It's just something about Nordame Clemson. I mean, even by the way, the last time Nordame um, played Clemson, uh, Mike Sanford wasn't born yet. That's how long. Yeah. <laughs> um, who and incidentally, I do think that. Mike Sanford and Mike Denbrock are handling the play calling in some fashion. At, this is your chance to find out. We're across yes, the stadium. Yeah. Low, first level yeah. press box, we're told. Open air, which is going to be awesome in the hurricane. But, hey, look, great game, great matchup. A ton to consider. Love the matchups. Fuller versus Mackenzie Alexander. I haven't even talked about that, but if you go on our website, you'll see a story about that and how they keep stats for times that they avoid Alexander. I think he gets a pick. Because yeah. they're going to be bold enough to go man one-on-one with Fuller 
and Kaiser makes a mistake. I think Fuller gets a touchdown too, though, because he's Will Fuller and and he score scores every game. Yeah, that's yeah. the reason why I'm going out on a limb. All right, we'll be back for segment two. Talk a little bit of recruiting with Pete. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider is our recruiting roundup. And while there is news, or about to be news, I guess, about Dante Vaughn choosing between Notre Dame and Tennessee, Pete, there, there's some interesting angles with previous recruiting battles between Notre Dame and Clemson. Yeah, and really you could spin it forward to recruiting battles that are still going on because Notre Dame's top defensive end prospect in junior class, Robert Beal, will be at the game. Uh, and Spencer Perry, one of their commitments, who's thinking about other t- taking other trips, was debating taking a trip to Clemson this weekend. So the Clemson Notre Dame recruiting dynamic, there's a I think there's a lot more to it than I think what people would just necessarily assume. And Anna Hickey, one of our recruiting writers, did a, did a nice rundown of this today for you know the site on irishillustrated.com talking about you know it's not just Isaac Rochelle who told me yesterday I would have gone to Clemson if, if my mom didn't force me to visit Notre Dame. Um, you know Romeo Quara is in there. And there is a ton of players, a ton of talent on Clemson roster that Notre Dame wanted. Mackenzie Alexander, J. Ron Kearse. Um, you had Richard Jurgen, who's a backup. Who was verbally committed yeah. to Notre Dame. It was a verbal commitment to Notre Dame. Um, you know, they looked at Ben Bulwer, their starting linebacker. Uh, Garrett Williams, their tight end, really wanted an offer from Notre Dame, and Notre Dame passed. And then uh, Jake from Morgan, who could play a lot on Saturday, is a backup right tackle, but their starter, Joe Gore, is a little banged up. He was a guy that really wanted a Notre Dame offer and camped for one, and Notre Dame offered him late. Uh, he ended up going to Clemson. And these are, I mean, these are offers, or this is a battle between Notre Dame and Clemson that will probably continue to escalate. Now the Notre Dame is at least a partial member of the ACC. They're going to be Notre Dame's always recruited in South Carolina, but they'll probably be re- recruiting there even more. Yeah, and I think one of the, the interesting aspects of going to Clemson for people who are from the Midwest their entire life and don't have a real feel for the geography of the area. Clemson and Atlanta are really close, and that's where Notre Dame targets a ton of talent. I mean, we're probably going to fly into Atlanta tomorrow and drive up. We'll pass through Gainesville, Georgia, which is where Deshaun Watson is from. Um, that's a, that is a huge recruiting hub for Clemson, and Isaac Rochelle is from the Burbs of Atlanta. I mean, that's um, Clemson is really one of the biggest threats to Notre Dame in turn because when you're recruiting against Clemson, you're probably looking at guys who are willing to go out of state because – Notre Dame isn't in South Carolina a whole lot. Well, if they're willing to go out of state, you know, Clemson is going to be one of those options. So I think that's that's part of the reason Notre Dame and Clemson butt heads a, a, so much because it's guys who are looking for something a little bit different. Um, you know, Clemson and Notre Dame, I think, are, are obviously quite a bit different. But, I mean, Isaac Rochelle said this to me yesterday when we were talking. When he went to Clemson, one of the things that really appealed to him was the academics. He felt like he could get a really good degree there. He liked the program that they had for him academically. Uh, and he knew that program was going to be really good. Maybe not as good as it's turned out to be, but uh, you know, Clemson is a, is a real threat for Notre Dame, probably a, an underrated one when it comes to people just sort of looking at battles. And speaking of Dante Vaughn, when, when is his – he's got a October decision coming 12th, up? October 12th, so we'll have a couple more podcasts before then. But, I mean, it's he's going to visit te- Texas A&M and Tennessee over the next couple weekends, I believe. Ole Miss is hanging around there a little bit, but uh, that's sort of a Tennessee-Notre Dame decision. People would say, hey, they already lost Hunter Johnson to Tennessee, but uh, there's the connections there 
with Dante Vaughn, I think, are, are positive for Notre Dame. He's visited three times. Uh, and, I mean, let's be honest, the season that Tennessee's having is yeah. not lighting the world on fire. So Notre Dame has uh, certainly a buzz edge there, too. And I think, you know, he sees Notre Dame, the corners they've recruited, who they're losing after this year and next year, and sees early playing time for him in South Bend. So I'm not predicting Notre Dame yet, but Notre Dame has a very, very good chance with him, um, and that would be a nice piece of the puzzle on, on defense for, for the Irish. Any other uh, recruiting news we want to hit? You know, you had Jonathan Jones, who I think we touched on a little bit last podcast, middle linebacker from Florida, visited last weekend for the UMass game. Really, for Notre Dame staff, it's you know you have Carlo Kemp coming in for Navy, but everything is about the USC game. We'll probably be talking about the visitor list for that game over the next few podcasts. But uh, I mean, overall, Notre Dame. And I mentioned this on Monday. If you're going to move the needle in recruiting, because people always ask, well, how's the four and zero start affecting recruiting? I would say basically it's not. If it's five and zero start, that will affect recruiting. Um, it will be. All the parallels to Oklahoma will ring true at that point because when they beat Oklahoma in 2012, that really supercharged that recruiting campaign. I think beating Clemson would do basically the same thing on Saturday night. Huge opportunity for Notre Dame Saturday night in Clemson Memorial Stadium. I, I want to touch the rock before the game. We won't get a chance to run down the hill. I want to run down the hill. I don't think they're going to – well, we would slide down the hill. Yeah, it's going to be raining so much. I, you're not uh, – I'm, I'm thinking that will be the closing to our pregame incident. <laughs> yeah. the rock and then yeah. Kishore will just film this I'm down. running be down, a race down the hill. I'm down. I'm yeah. in. So so bring your rain gear. Uh, we'll, we'll record an instant analysis a couple hours before kickoff. This huge game, uh, a pivotal game for really both – both programs in 2015 is number six. Notre Dame takes on number 12, Clemson.